Ladies and gentlemen, the Chris Roach Show. Hey, welcome back. Episode number 10? Episode 10. Wow, we're in the double digits now, boys. Give yourself a round of applause. And at home, give yourself a round of applause for coming out tonight. All right. Uh, This week, we are going to talk about the movie biz in general i i'm not even sure the topic of it just movies everything everything movies how about that um we're going to talk about drive-ins the future of movie theaters uh hbo showtime all that stuff my experience on a set with the covid protocols how show business is coping now start right off i know uh john you think that the movie theaters are not going to survive this this now that we have light at the end of the tunnel and, and the comedy clubs are opening up to uh, 33% capacity starting in April. Um, we're all excited. There's light at the end of the tunnel. But, you know, I did say that this pandemic, it definitely gave birth to a few, a few things. Like, first of all, the outdoor shows, if they're done right, you'll see them come back like a summer series. Um, and I see a lot of restaurants here on Long Island. They are uh they're doing like these um dinner movies where they walk out to your car and give you you know maybe only it it fits like 20 people on an inflatable driving screen i haven't done it yet my brother's done a few but the only thing is they are only able to play you know they can't play new releases they don't have the license for that so you think jay ziggy that uh the movie theaters may not survive this well i know like a lot of the theaters were having problems uh financially before the pandemic right like they weren't killing it before the pandemic. I, I know, I don't know which one. I don't know if it's United Artists, uh, National Amusements. One of the major changes already went under. Yes, I think, was it AMC that went under? No, it's not AMC. AMC is the biggest in the country and they're still hanging in there. Well, by me, we have two movie theaters. We have Island 16, which is part of National Amusements. They have been open, believe it or not, just showing like old movies. And in fact, uh, at the end of this month, they're showing King Kong versus Godzilla, which I'm excited to get out of the house and go to. Um, there's like, you know, again, I think Mike, you know, you, he, Mike's the youngin on this podcast. I don't know if Mike, you remember going to Blockbuster Video probably as a youngster, right? Yes. Uh, I caught the back end of that. You watched that uh, documentary on it, though? No. There's, there's a docu- documentary on, on Netflix called The Last Blockbuster, and it's located out of uh, Alaska. Right, right. Right. Did you see that guy on uh, TikTok who made his basement? He, he he bought there was like a mom and pop uh, video store that was going out of business. He bought it and turned his basement into a, the old mom and pop video store. He actually has you have to open the old door. You go in, all the movies are set up. He's got a snack counter, and then you go into another room, and there's like a viewing uh, little movie movie theater for his family. It's so cute. But um, going to Blockbuster Video was phenomenal it was a great it was like part of the date night just like you know i say going to the clubs with my friends back in the day driving there was the fun part because once we got to the club we couldn't hear each other blah 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 sometimes going to blockbuster we would go there like my girlfriend and i we rent three movies we were so excited maybe you got a new release that just came in at the front counter and you were standing there at the front counter waiting for the new releases to get returned like the other weirdos Mm -hmm. and We'd go there and we'd rent three movies. We get a bucket of blockbuster popcorn, you know, microwave popcorn that came in the big bucket. And then we get some Twizzlers or something. We'd hang out and it was a great, usually after the first movie, somebody was sleeping, but it was just great. It was a great night. And uh, I don't know. I hope that uh, the movie theaters don't go the same way where we'll be talking in a few years. Hey, John, you're old enough to remember you when you went to a movie theater. It just becomes a, it's just, it becomes a flawed business model. Like you can get a new release now on, on demand for 20 bucks. I know, which is crazy. And and you can watch it with like five family members 
in the comfort of your home. So that same movie would cost you $140 to take your family to. Which, you know, that's the movie business adapting to this uh, pandemic that we're hopefully almost out of. HBO Max, Diane and I have watched, uh, we watched the movie on there. We noticed that the on, on the TV, I think HBO Max is made for laptops. It's like kind of like, is it replacing HBO on the go? It used to be HBO yeah, on the go. HBO, HBO yeah. go is no more. So what we noticed when we watched it on the TV, we downloaded, we had to go to apps and we downloaded it just like a computer. And we noticed the quality wasn't as good on the TV, which means maybe it's made for the laptop and the iPhone. That's what a lot of people are watching on primarily these days. Mike, you can get closer to your mic. I can't hear you as good now. That's what people are primarily watching on these days. It's so weird. Like, you, you ever see that, the, the bumping mics on Netflix, and they're like, yeah. oh, just kidding. You're watching this on your phone. Right. Bumping mics. I love that. Right. That's David Tell, right? Good dude. David Tell, Jeff Ross. Uh, Blockbuster video. I remember, I think my generation kind of fell into it because they were renting video games. Yes. And that was like a big deal for me. That was huge for Blockbuster. When it, you know, my, it almost... first, my first real job, I worked at what was called Broadway Video in Beth Page, my town. Right. Where that this, is. this was in the late 80s. It was like my first real job when I was in college. Was that a chain, worked... John? Was that a chain? I'm sorry. Was that a chain? No, it was just a mom and pop. My, my guy Lee owned it. And we worked right. there. It was like, it was right before Blockbuster started. And they opened Blockbusters like, like three of them, but he was in the middle, like the Bermuda Triangle. There was like one five miles in each direction, but far enough away that he was able to survive. Right. So those blockbusters came in and crushed all the mom and pop stores. Yes, but the mom and pops were like fun to go to. And but Blockbuster just made it, you know, took it to the next level. They also had the mom and pop ones had porn. Yes, they had the porn behind the, behind uh, the saloon doors. Yeah, saloon doors or the yeah, saloon doors or the curtain. We had a curtain. And everybody, uh, I remember Sal Governelli would do a bit where he would act out the guy going to the adult theater. Like you're there with your family and you're kind of walking around looking at the sections near the open near those saloon doors. You're not going in, and then you like look around and then you casually like almost like you accidentally walked in, like, oh, what is this? <laughs> it's you know um, there was no there was no adult video at Blockbuster. No, no, that's one that thing. Became I, like 30% of our business was adult videos. I think that's the only thing the mom and pops hung on with was the uh, adult videos. But the mom and pops, I remember going to them when it was VHS. I, Blockbuster, I remember going when it was VHS. And then all of a sudden they started talking about this Blu-ray. I'm like, Blu-ray? What's this Blu-ray? CD-ROM? So I worked there for five years, so I got to see the whole transition from VHS yeah. to to on DVD and then the games you were saying the gaming became popular we would rent all the um the the video game disc right and, and they would that was a big those business. were all so mangled though like once DVD and like video games like everything was so scratched and like you couldn't even rent yeah games we, or DVDs we, we used to crush it on late fees people would keep like yes you know ebony humpers three for like seven days I'm like you owe me 14 bucks Ebony Humpers is an actual title, I know, because you remember. Yeah, that was like eight of them. <laughs> I ran that. Uh, I always like to call it high-end adult entertainment store, so I don't sound like yeah. a pervert. But I managed the store. We had a video, uh, a huge video rental club, and like you saying, I remember John when the VHS switched over to the DVDs, and it opened up so much of the retail floor that we had to reconstruct the whole store, and then ultimately when. They started showing uh, adult films online for free. You know, these certain websites, it just all of a sudden the store you had to like rethink the store, like less employees, less hours. But, you know, they're still open over there. I see that. But, you know, we were trying to make it where it was like a, a Victoria's Secret meets Spencer Gifts. And, you know, there's some a couple of naughty stuff in the back, you know, you know, tastefully done. Um, I think what Blockbuster gave is kind of like what the movies do. You were saying, Chris, it was like it was like an event to go yeah. to Blockbuster. Oh, it was, it was great. You'd go and they used to have the big bin with the like two for two dollar boxes of candy. Yeah. Mike and Ike's Red Hots, whatever it was. Yeah. Raisinettes. And Raisinettes. Fruit. 
Yeah, so I would get the two for two, but you kind of linger around the uh, the return counter, try to catch a new release you've been waiting for. Yes, the four or five people that would linger there, and I always felt like when I did that, I was annoying the person that worked there. And do you remember Blockbuster Video? They were one of the first retail chains that it was part of their uh, company policy that everybody that entered the door, they had a greet. So every time you walked in the door, they all turned around and went, hello, hello. Oh, welcome to Blockbuster. You know, welcome to Blockbuster. Hello. And uh, I was a Hollywood video guy. You remember Hollywood video? Yes. Hollywood video was pretty good. I think they were better than Blockbuster. Um, but again, the late fees were astronomical. We used to charge. Oh, my God. We used to charge three dollars. It was it was 48 hour rentals at Expressions. It was called. And it was three dollar late fees. And. Some people would come in in the early early on. I saw people pay like a hundred dollars in late fees. I'm like, dude, just never come back and keep the movie. Or then we started doing something where, all right, the price of the movie was thirty dollars. Once the late once once the late fees get more, let's say ten days, you own it. Don't even return it. You now own your own copy of Ebony Humpers Three. Ebony Humpers Three, and uh, you know, we used to have guys come in that rented at one o'clock in the afternoon and returned it by like four o'clock before their wives got home. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just hoping that the movie theaters in general don't end up like blockbuster video where it's a thing of the past. Cause the movies for me, even though you can sit at home, like you said, Godzilla versus King Kong. I like that stuff. Oh my God. The new one's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. But it's coming out on HBO max the same day as theaters. Yeah, you know what? Like, that's good for this. This, you know, because we're almost out of the pandemic. That's good that people have an option. But when, let's say, come like six months from now, when everything's under control and uh, we reach herd immunity, like they always talk about, what's HBO Max going to do? Is are they gonna, now? Is H, it's going to be like does HBO Max survive or the the movie theater survive? If I was on the road, I would love to see a new release of them in a hotel room, of course. But I have like a group of people, my brother, a couple of childhood friends. We get together like once a month, sometimes twice a month, and we would go to the movies. And we used to take turns, like guy who's who's getting who's getting the candy, who's getting the popcorn. We take turns on who's paying what. And it was a uh, it it was more it was became like a social event because after the right? we would do a show we would do a show you and I and then you would bolt out and go to catch like a ten thirty movie after right show. yes I would say to the owner hey man you mind if I bolt out after my set I'm I'm meeting my brother and some friends we're seeing blah 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 and we would get together we'd see the movie we you know we would call them cinematic adventures uh, I think Dane Cook coined that phrase he called them cinematic adventures and. I had a rule, like sometimes my niece or nephew would come by and they bring a friend and, and I would say to them, no talking during the movie, because when somebody talks during the movie, it pulls you out of the fantasy realm. I want to go on that ride. I want to go on that journey. And, if, you know, people are talking. It just gets me. And I hate I've, like one time these kids were behind me talking. I'm like, don't make me be that old man that stands up and hey, you kids, you know how much I pay for this goddamn movie? Don't make me be that guy. I don't even like the lights off people's cell phones. The lights bother me. That bothers me. And I am happy with this new stadium seating. I mean, new stadium seating. That was like the stadium was, seating. It is pretty new still. It, I would say the stadium seating is at least 12 years or more. Exactly. Because they all started to convert. Like it, some of right. them had it, but it was a big deal to have like, like you'd have like one of those multiplexes. There'd be one theater that had the stadium seating. Yes. And let me tell you, that's where one of my first jokes came from because I used to go to the movie theater being six foot six. I even still am self-conscious of my height. Everybody wants to be bigger, but then there comes to a point where you, you enter the freak zone. I remember going on uh, when I was single on these personal sites, you enter your information before you set up the dating. You know, you had to set up your profile and the height would cut off. It would be six, four, or taller and it was never it would cut off at six four and one time i said to a girl i said how come um how come the height a lot of the women end their height uh requirements they want six four and they don't really go any higher than six four she goes well you know you start getting six 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 eight you start getting a little gangly <laughs> mm -hmm. i swear my mother 
you start getting gangly. And I laugh. I'm like, well, that's a pretty accurate description of me. Gangly. <laughs> the stadium seating is probably more comfortable for you too, though. Well, that's the thing. I was so self-conscious when I went to the movies, I got in and I turned down my aisle. And I, I once I walked to the back of the theater, when, I, when you first walk into the theater, I was looking for a wide open aisle and a seat against the wall. And I would, I would seat all the way to the right, all the way to the left, because I don't want the person behind me going, oh, fuck, when I sat down. That was one of my you jokes. You should go and you should wear a top hat. Top hat, yeah. So stadium seating was a blessing. You um, know what I like about movies too, though? I like the, like, there's like 25 minutes of previews before the movies. That's the best part. I love the previews. My brother would show up late. It's a 10.30 movie. He show up at 10.30. I'm like, guy, we're missing the previews. That's the one of the, probably the best part. How exciting is that? So I get annoyed because now you have assigned seating. That never existed. Yeah, that never existed. Everybody shows up because they know where their seats are. They show up at start time. Right. And you're and always Bob, seated. It, you, yeah. It my previews. Because in the previews, you want to be. You don't want to be taken out of it. You're in the preview. You're like, oh, this is going to be good. And all of a sudden, somebody walks by. You're like, ah, this idiot. And with the assigned seatings, you know, you're always trying to leave that buffer seat and not sit near anyone else. And then all of a sudden, somebody sits in front of you. And you're like, guy, really? You picked that seat? Look at all the open seats that you chose the one in front of me to piss me off. Come on. Uh but I love it. They now that they recline. It's it's just fantastic. It's just HBO fantastic. Max has been doing. I think they do one new movie per month, like a major movie. So wow. this this month was this is how stupid I am. It was Zack Snyder's Justice League. What is that? That's a new oh, yeah, thing now. Is that? is that like a director's well, cut? That's all it is. So I thought it was a new Justice League, right? Directed by Zack, like a whole new movie because they've been promoting it, promoting. It. And I, it's four, it's over four hours. Four and a half hours, yeah. I watched about two hours of it before I realized it's just Justice League. But the right. directors, because I've seen the movie before. But are they like uh, deleted scenes or anything like that? Yeah, like an hour and a half of delete. It's like, it's super long. Well, if you're hardcore, my wife never saw any of those movies, but during the, the quarantine, she decided uh, you can go online somewhere and look for at Marvel and DC and try to watch the movies chronologically to when they came out or chronologically within the series. Same thing with Star Wars. She looked, okay, which, okay, I watched Star Wars. What do I watch after Star Wars? And she watched them all for like, you know, like two, three movies a day. Star Wars is a good example. This is why I like going to the movies as opposed to just watching it at home on your couch. There are certain movies I saw in the theaters and they're like less such a lasting impression. Like I'm not a Star Wars guy. I don't really like that stuff, but I saw Star right. Wars in the movie theaters in like 76. Right. Um, all the Rockies. The Rockies. It just doesn't do it justice sitting at home. Yeah. This isn't that like, like Mike, you're so much younger than us. Do you remember like seeing certain things in the theaters that were like, what was your big theater movie? He's not so much younger than us. Take it I remember back. my sister was either in late high school or early college, and she took me to see Dodgeball in theaters. Wow. But I was a kid. That's that was crazy. Like early, yeah, that was early. I remember seeing Wedding Crasher in theaters. I remember seeing Bruce Almighty in theaters. Now, How old are you? I was like 44 when these movies came out. <laughs> dude, I'm like 26, 27 next week. Wow. Oh, I'm God. not that I'm not that young. <laughs> not that young, yeah. You're at that age where the uh yeah, yeah, 25. That was uh, that was that was a good year for me. That was a good year. What well, what were I, you doing at 25, Chris Roach? 25. I got to tell you people ask me what 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 some of my toughest age is turning. Like people like what was it? Tough to turn 30 or 40? No, 25 was a tough one for me because now as, you know, back then what was big was going to nightclubs and bars to meet women. We didn't have uh, online dating sites. At least we had some, maybe like the local Yankee trader. You could like write in like a pen pal, but right. the clubs were everything. Now all of a sudden I'm 25, right? I'm too old for the clubs I was going to, and I'm too young for the clubs I'm, allow I'm allowed in. So it was almost like 
yeah, some clubs were 25 and over. And when you went there, it was like really 40 and over. You're like, good God, I feel like a baby here. And then you go to the uh, clubs you used to go to. You're like, wow, I'm that guy. Uh, who was it with the Chris Rock? They're talking about the old guy hanging out in the, in the clubs. <laughs> right. They don't really do 25 and older anymore. I've never come across that. They used to do, you know, they used to do 23 and over a lot. And what 23 and over did was prevent uh, a lot of the fake ID. Like people right. were always trying to, of course, I, when I was 20, I had somebody try to do something with my ID to make it fake. Right. Um, but okay, uh, you're, you're a, you grew up a Suffolk guy. I'm a Nassau guy. Like right. what was your, what was your club in the day? Um, you know, there were a few clubs here, like up near Stony Brook, there was the park bench. Uh, it's funny when I talked to uh, Kevin James or his brother, they grew up right over there. I'm like, yeah, I used to go to the park bench. He's like, oh yeah. Cause they would give you like deals on tap beer. Man, I got ugly in that place. There were a few, there were a few <laughs> nightclubs out here. Oh my God. And then somewhere around 2 a.m. If you were striking out, then you went to the local bars. But sometimes I went out to Nassau, John, there were pretty good clubs out there. Uh, Buttles back in the day, Buttles. Oh, where was that? Uh, he had a gym too. Yeah, Buttles was something. It was, I think he was somebody on the Jets, right? Yeah, Greg, Greg Buttles. He was a linebacker on the Jets. So my Nassau club, because my brother was a bartender there, was right, uh, right behind Governors. It used to be Uncle Sam slash Spit. I went to Spit. I love Spit. It was a rock and roll club. A spit was alternative kind of night. Uh, Uncle Sam's was like disco. My no, parents we'll... met at Uncle Sam's in 1978. They did? They met there? They met there. Well, it's a, it's a Petco now. Or it was a Petco. Yeah. Or no, even the Petco shut down, no? Um, you might be right. The Petco may have shut down. But um, Spit on Saturdays, John Ziegler, was a rock and roll theme. Yes. And it was so great. Like they used to play rock and roll from Led Zeppelin. And every time they did that, they dropped the confetti and balloons from the ceiling. And downstairs, they sold hot dogs and pretzels. And I'm like, this is everything I want in one club. Food downstairs, beers upstairs. I'm like, it was the best. And my friends it was, knew. Uh, it was that? the quintessential 80s club. They I had 100 bouncers. <laughs> right. And you know, it's not like now, like bouncers get like licensed and they get sued. Like if you messed around back then, like eight of them just took you outside and beat you senseless. Yep. Gone. I was, I swear to God, I was in there one time and some guy bumps me. I'm like, oh, here we go. And I gone there long enough. I went to the guy I said, listen, if you want to fight, let's take this outside. Because if we fight in here, we're both getting our asses kicked. I've seen guys fight. They had eight tremendous bouncers. And I think they had a rule that nobody left on their feet. And the person would like all of a sudden the door would open and you see them come flying out. I'm like, I don't want to be that. And I, you know, I'm I'm tall, but I was especially back then I was skinny, tremendous penis. The gangly. Uh, Those are the gangly years. Gangly. <laughs> Listen, I'm gangly, but uh, I'm gangly if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Maybe work it out, okay? So I used to go to uh, spit because my brother was the bartender. So I don't remember what the drinking age was. I was like 19. Maybe it was 21. It might have been 18 still. Right. But I used to think I was going to get VIP treatment because my brother worked there. I thought I was nope. going to get like like a, a T-shirt that said staff. Right. And I was going to meet chicks because I had a staff T-shirt, but no such luck. The thing about, thing about clubs when you when you see the, the, uh, the VIP sections, I've been on the outside looking in. You're like, oh, man, I just want to be in there. And then when you finally get in there, you're like, oh, this is it. All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> Did you guys ever go to McKeeps? Oh, my, no, but I'll tell you something. Was that's, that? on, that's on the corner of uh, Hempstead Turnpike and Kernikin. You know why I know? You How know do you know, know that? Because my grandmother lived on Kernikin. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> Anthony and Anthony and Agnes Polisi. So as a kid, I used to go to their house and uh, they were probably... That's probably, I would say, one to two miles away from the Nassau Coliseum where the Islanders were playing. And I don't know why, but we decided to go to my grandmother's to watch the Rangers play the Islanders in the playoffs. This was in the 80s. And man, the, the Islanders end up winning the series in overtime, and it was like crushing. And then you pull, we walked out of my grandmother's house, and you could hear people screaming in their homes from like miles away, bars, people honking their horns, because it was Uniondale. She was in right. Hempstead. But she was in Hempstead, but the next town over was Uniondale. 
Um, Literally but, across the street from the Coliseum. But we never went to McKeebs, but going home from my grandmother at nighttime, we got so excited when we saw somebody walk out or passed out in front of it. Like, look, it's a drunk person. <laughs> that was our highlight of our state. I, I went to both Nassau and Hofstra, so I might have been in there a couple of times. I went to McKeebs, and now it's called something else because it got shut down. Oh, I'm sure. What was, really? What was now Hofstra University? Uh, and Nassau Community College. What was the bar that people went to around that? What, what were the bars? Well, my was there was like generation a, something was called Coeds. Coeds, uh, no. Co-ed. Mine was like Bar Social, Dizzy Lizards, That's Nacho Nacho Mama's Cantina, which was then turned to Bangers in like right. 2013. And then McKeebs was like McKeebs for like a while, and now it's like McGillicuddy's or something. But they it used kept to be, the M with the beer in it. It used to be McKeebs Depot was called McKeebs Depot. Oh, Depot. Really? We used to say Depot. We didn't know what it meant. D E P O T. And then it was just McKeebs or McCabe's. And uh, but that bar is that would bother me for like 50, 60 years. Wayne Crebet <laughs> for a, a while. Wayne Crebet from the Jets, right? He had a spot someplace over there. He had a bar, right? Didn't he have a bar? Yeah. Um, right, let's get back to the movies, guys. So, the drive-ins now. I, 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 with with this whole everything, this whole experience. If somebody out there, whether it be a major company or just some guy with a little extra money, is not planning on opening a drive-in movie theater on Long Island, they're crazy because it, it's really, it's a nostalgic thing. It's fun. You're watching a movie in your car. I know if you go to a website, there's like a drive-in website with all of the drive-ins left in the United States. I know there's one up in like Poughkeepsie, New York or somewhere up there. Um, but somebody's got to bring the drive-ins back. They were, it was great. Was it Westbury? Is that the one? There was Westbury. There was Bayshore. And there was one out here that I don't think we went to. That it was Rocky Point, Rock, the Rocky Point drive-in. And just the sound of pulling in on that gravel was so nostalgic. We always went to like a double feature with my family. We, you know, my brother, my two brothers, my sister, sometimes we have a, a friend and we all cram into the car and, you know, you get there early enough. It's still light out. So the movie hasn't sh- played yet. So they always had a playground and we were always causing mischief uh, on the playground or whatever. And uh, then all of a sudden, I don't know if you remember this, John, when they flashed the park a lot lights and the playground lights, that means that that meant the movie was about to start. And it was like, Oh my God, and you run to the car and you get your popcorn and you just go on a cinematic adventure. As a child of the seventies, we used to do drive-ins, but you used to pay um, per person per car. How, how did they charge you? It was, um, yeah, it was like, they looked in the car and it was two adults, three kids. They paid that, but, you know, so many people did the hiding the, the friends in the trunk. That was very common. Well, that's what I was. I used to be under like an oily tarp in the back seat. My father would throw like a, like an oily rag over me and hide me in the back seat like a like a club drug cartel. I think we did that with my cousin or a friend one time. We hid them down by our feet and we put our jackets on top of them. Yeah. Oh my god. I was under the car like Cape Fear, just holding on to the axles. My father drove in. That is hysterical. Um. I have the what? O'Brien House films, like the like the, the B-level cheap films. They would show like two of them. You get a double feature. It was great. We saw, I remember in uh, 1976, talking about King Kong versus Godzilla, the King Kong with um, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange. Yep. I remember seeing that, and they gave us, uh, the drinks came in these cups. You could probably find them on eBay. They were these cups with the King Kong on them, or they gave away these little rubber King Kong things. They were like two inches tall in different colors. And uh, I remember one time the second movie was Hooper with Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Now, in the first five minutes, they throw a surprise party for Hooper. Now, my sister's already sleeping in the front seat. She's like five. My parents, we decided to stay for the double feature. In the first five minutes, they have a surprise party for. Uh, for Hooper, Burt Reynolds, and a topless girl with tremendous breasts jumps out of the cake, and my mother turns around and she starts hitting all of us. <laughs> Eugene, 
start the car. And we're all like trying to keep our heads. It was like whack-a-mole. We're all trying to pop up over the seat and look at the boobies. You know, we didn't have access to boobs back then. Like last episode, we were talking about finding a soggy Playboy magazine. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we see boobies, not only just boobies, but they're on the giant screen. We're like, oh, my God. She'd smack my head down, and then my brothers would pop up. She'd smack my brothers. It was like whack-a-mole until we got out of there. But, you know what oh. started? Those, those teen movies? Like, remember Porky's? Porky's was big there. Uh, one, one time, a second feature, we the second feature was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And my father's like, what the hell is this? This is stupid. And we See, I was so much younger than my brothers and sisters that when my parents had date night, they didn't have anybody to watch. They, they just took me to the movies. So you, you, you were like Bobby Brady. Remember that episode of the Brady Bunch where Gray's on a date and he took Bobby with him in the back seat and he was like the third wheel? That's what I'm... So my I saw the, like the most inappropriate movies. Is like a, My parents took me to see The Exorcist. Oh, my God. I was like seven. I didn't sleep for like nine years. You know, oh think about it. That's... that's, that's technically- <laughs> That's probably disturbing. That's that PTSD. You have, you have. I'm just you, picturing a small Ziegler fucking bugging out. <laughs> oh, was traumatized. Even still, there are some movies that hold. This they stand the test of time. Who was I just talking about this with? Where you could watch. There was one movie called Devil's Reign with uh, Ernest Borgnine and William Shatner. Scared the living bejesus out of me as a kid. And then when you go back and watch it as an adult, you're like, really? Really? I still like the one um, Trilogy of Terror. You remember that? Karen, Karen Black. Black. The little guy with the knife, the little dog. Karen Black. That was like the trilogy of horror stories before, say, yep. Creepshow came along. That was great. But the driving so experience, you know, like Blockbuster Video, it was an experience the whole night. The driving there, the excitement. I remember when my father would announce, we're going to see the drive. We're going to the drive-in tonight. We were like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's a big deal. So, like, I, it's nice that sometimes you can... You know, things have changed. We have 65-inch TVs in our living rooms. I know. That's the if thing. If you had yeah. the Sony Trinitron or the Sony Wega, remember those yeah. 35 TVs that weighed about 900 pounds? Like a 35-inch TV was a huge TV. Yeah, back then. That's yeah. a kitchen TV now. That's like what you put in your kitchen. Right. right. So it's a different experience. It's still, you're still in your living room, though. You don't get out. Like There's something about going to the movies, getting candy, sitting in a recliner, like, watching like- previews. Like the, block, the, the sound, it was sound. Oh yeah, it's a whole sound. experience. It was. Um, it's the. Whole, it's about the experience, the movie experience. You watch it at home, it's great. But when the movie's over, it's over. But you know, when I go out to the movies with my friends, the movie's over. We're standing outside for like an hour talking, weather permitting. Um, Can I be what, honest with you guys? No, not at this point. Okay, go ahead. Maybe you guys can relate to this because I don't think this is any part of generation. I think this is a movie date specific thing. When I was in middle school and early high school, like whenever I was home, um, movie dates with girls was like you took her on the movie date. But like at that age, you're like, all right, me and her are probably going to make out during the movie. I don't know yeah. if you guys were on. Oh, that's what. Listen, Nicole, that's what the driving movies were all about, baby. See, I didn't. That's I didn't have that. I went there. I remember going on dates to the driving uh, right before they closed, and it was like, you don't even need, you don't need to get a hotel room. You got your car. Let's park in the back and watch the movie in the back row. If you know what I'm saying, you know. Right. Now it's Netflix and Chill, Hulu and Hang, HBO Max and Climax. Really? That's what they say? I mean, yeah, I mean. Did you, you make know, that up? New- I didn't make that up. I can't. I probably I saw it somewhere like on Facebook. I, I never heard of Hulu and Hang. I like that one. Yeah. The only thing I watch on Hulu is Letterkenny. Um, but, <laughs> you know, before the first one of the first things, I think Showtime was the first last episode John and I were talking about the very first Playboy channel, which was called Escapade, which was magical to a young kid to watch that scrambled, the scrambled boobs, but you, the audio was complete. So you're like, oh my God, listen to those noises they're making. Um, but the it first one Showtime, was Cinemax. Huh? Cinemax was the racy S- channel. Skinemax. Skinemax. Oh, now Skinemax. it's Skinemax, right? 
No, back then, Cinemax used to show like the... Um, what year was Cinemax? Late 70s, 80s. Cinemax, been, Cinemax around been around that long. Oh, yeah. I was on... Um, I played the part of Goon in uh, the Cinemax series, which is called uh, The Nick. Oh, isn't that Pacino? No, that was with Clive Owen. Clive Owen operated on my leg. And what's great about a show like that is, let's say they have seven locations. They film, and let's say it's 10 episodes, seven locations. They film every scene for the 10 episodes. at the, So they stay at the one location until they do all the scenes for the entire series. So I was in two scenes, but at two different locations. So I, I filmed my one scene, and then I had to wait another month for them to bring me back for the other scene. They save a lot of money on production, but the actor makes out because during those 30 days where I wasn't working, they had to pay me every day. Oh, cool. I made, bro, I'm telling you, I made probably one of my biggest to, to date paydays. It was $25,000. And all I did was scream. I remember saying to Steven Soderbergh, and I was nervous approaching Steven Soderbergh. I think I think I was like, uh, Steven? And he's like, yes. I'm like, can I say when I'm screaming, can I say fuck? And I wasn't sure if I could curse. He goes, he goes, say fuck, say shit, say whatever you want. I'm like, thank you, Mr. Soderbergh. And that's the last I talked to him. <laughs> um, at the very end, after shooting everything, I had all this fake blood all over my hands. And I went to go say, say thank you to him when we wrapped. And I, I just showed him my hands and he, and he nodded like he gets it. I'm thanking him and my hands are too sticky to shake his hands. I said, thank you, Stephen. He's like, you're welcome. Thank you for giving me the role of goon. Um, but I had to sit in a makeup chair for like an hour. Those I, I got to post those videos, those videos, that picture. You ever see the picture of me with the black guy and my face is smashed in? I have it. I'll put, you know what? Maybe I'll put that up for our podcast. Uh, you in the link. This, this character wasn't mentally challenged. Well, one way or another, I get to, thank you. I know that you're leaning towards Zegel and my history of playing mentally challenged characters. I appreciate that. Very typecast, Chris Roach. Yeah, I was uh, I was a mental patient on One Life to Live. Rodney. Uh, Rodney, the mental patient. Where was I? I was also uh, I was I, I was in a play called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I played a mental patient, and uh, so I have a career. Uh, you know, you walk in, they say you get the part, and I'm like, wait, I, I didn't read, I didn't audition yet. No, 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 you got it. Um, wasn't Rodney killed? What? Wasn't Rodney killed? My character, Diane and I, you had a, now we're living on Long Island, which from the city is about an hour and a half with traffic, two hours. You had to drive in to get your script. So you had to drive into the west side where the uh, ABC building was. I think it was ABC, right? Anyway. Thanks. So. They, and they would say to you, come on into the front door. We're going to leave your script with. Uh, the security guy now i remember my manager angela she was like oh my god this is a recurring role i was in like six episodes and i, I think i spoke once it's a recurring role it can, who knows how long it could last so i pick up the script at one time and i said diane do me a favor uh, i'm gonna drive you read the script so we're driving home not even around the block my wife goes uh-oh <laughs> she goes uh-oh i'm like what she goes, Rodney's dead. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, you, Rodney gets poisoned. But it was a great experience. I got to work a lot with Gina Tognoni, who is a legend in uh, in soap operas, and she taught me a lot. We rehearsed together and because she knew it was my first real scene, my first real job. And when it aired, if I did seven scenes, there was probably three that I liked, two that I was kind of okay with. And there were two that were like, oh my God, this is brutal. I never want to see this again. But it was a great experience. Um, you said the Nick. You said the Nick and I thought Pacino. What You did something with Pacino. What was you doing with Pacino? Oh, I did an independent film called The Humbling with Al Pacino. I was uh, a detective. I, I had like three or four lines. When the movie came, it cut it down to one. But regardless of all that, we, uh, Barry Levinson, it was at his house. In Connecticut, wow. he, he's got a compound in Connecticut, three houses, you know, one smaller than the next. I mean, you know, the one, the big one, the medium one, the small one. And we're in the big house in the foyer. That's where our scene was. Me and the female detective were questioning him about a murder. And 
he had us, Barry was coming over to us saying, all right, this time when you do the scene, don't let Al get a word in. So like, uh, Sarah, did you tell us where, how you knew the, the victim? Well, I don't know, Sarah, to yes and no answer. Did you know the victim or not? And at the end, when they go cut, Pacino goes, Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> we didn't let him get a word in. I told you about the coat in the, in the closet right here. I bought a black trench coat because I wanted to look like a detective from TV. And I, I planned on it was like $198. I'm like, I'm never going to wear this thing again. And I haven't. I'm not going to return it. At the end of the scene, they say, cut, it's a wrap. It's people are walking in every direction, lighting people, sound people, makeup people, uh, assistants. And eight. so I'm not looking, I'm looking to my right. And I felt like a pat on my shoulder, like three pats, like somebody patted me. And I look over and it's Pacino. And he goes, oh, you gave me a lot of good stuff to work with. That's my best Pacino voice. I don't know why. Uh, and I think I said back to him, Hamashima, Hababashima, Haba. Uh, and then he left and I'm like, I will never return this coat ever. And it's in my closet next to the one Leah Remini gave me. That's awesome. Leah Remini uh, gave me a coat. Uh, it was during Christmas time. She bought the staff of Kevin can wait. She bought everybody gifts. I was, I knew Leah from season two. I, you know, I didn't know her that well, but I, I remember putting the coat on. It's like a black, like uh, spring jacket it's light and i put it on and the sleeves came up to my forearms i'm like all right it doesn't matter right so um i see leah we're walking to set and i see leah i'm like leah oh my god thank you so much that was so nice of you that was so nice thank you and she goes oh you're welcome honey i just um i didn't know what kind of person you were so i had my assistant look on your instagram we were trying to figure out what kind of guy you were and we couldn't figure it out so we just got you a coat so she says to me, I swear to God, she goes, how did it fit? I'm like, and I went, it fit perfectly. Thank you, Leah. You know, what am I going to say? Hey, Leah, it doesn't even fucking fit. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You got the receipt? You take a look at me, Leah Remini. Look at the size of me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a monster. But what a nice lady. Um, it's, yeah, very nice. Driving movies. I remember being at a driving movie, and this was a big thing. Probably the 80s, John. There was a movie that came out. First of its kind, it was called Zombie. I think it's made by an Italian director. And it was, there was such a lot, there was big hype about it because it was like really, really gory. And it was strict, strict 18 and over. So I remember the drive in movie, the movie didn't start, or maybe it was between movies. And my brother and I tried to sneak in, watch a little bit of Zombie. And maybe we caught like 30 seconds before we got thrown out. But if you watch it today, you're like, Oh my God. It's like, you know, it's just terrible act. Who is in? I think Mia Farrow or somebody. There's a famous actress in it called Zombie. Nicolia, get on it, please. Zombie? Yeah. Zombie starring who? Uh, I thought it was Mia Farrow. 1988. Yeah, that might be it. Is it Mia Farrow? It's Zombie Zombies 3. No, nope, it's like a, zom it just, zombie, and then it has like a three horror just called, action. Just called zombie. It's got a picture of a zombie guy with worms in his eye. Um, there was another man. low budget one I used to like called "Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things." It's John, so hard. You just took. I was just gonna. I was just getting into that. You remember that movie? Children, it was always on. A thriller. <laughs> yeah. The hand that came out of the thing. The chiller. Chiller. It was called. Yeah, chiller theater. Chiller Theater. In fact, there's actually PIX on Channel 11. Yes, there's actually a Chiller Theater Expo in New Jersey every year, and I wanted to go this year. Like Elvira is there. You can get autographs with the guy from uh, Evil Dead. That's the, there it is. Ew. There it is. That's the poster. That was the poster that was on the board. Ew. It scared the living crap out of you. Dude, oh, yeah. I wouldn't be able to look at that. Oh, my God. That was the movie. You know, we should look it up. Maybe I'll look it up and add it in post- production about the it's order just called zombie huh 1980 it was a big thing because you could you know it's like oh my god 18 and over and they're being really strict there's somebody standing at the door uh you watch it now you're like really I we are going to eat you okay. yeah. you know what? it's not mia farrow it's an actress named tissa farrow wonder if tissa they were wow 
I went to school with Isaiah Farrow. Find out if Mia he's Farrow's. related to Christopher, uh, Mia Farrow. I don't know. It says uh, it's directed by Lucia Fulci. Never heard of him. Very oh, Italian. the Italian sort of the yeah, the Italian sort of doing these zombie movies in the eighties. Yep, tons of them. Okay, so we covered drive-ins. We covered movie theaters, zombies. Anything else, guys? There's nudity in that movie. Not going to be 1979, and there's nudity. Nudity? Yeah, I'm reading the review. No, Flash, I just hope the movie. Flash I Gordon. Just, uh, in summation, I hope the movie theaters come back. Yes. Oh God, I remember seeing American Werewolf in London. I loved that movie back in the day. Thank you for using that big word. You know what? Why don't we do another episode just on movies, and we can talk about you know stuff like that? American Werewolf in London, horror movies. We can do like a whole. Maybe, man, maybe when we get close to Halloween, we'll do a horror movie yeah. one. Some of if you remember favorites. American Wolf in London was before you had any CGI, so they had to do everything with rubber. It was Rick Baker at the makeup. Yes. Guy. Stay on everything the path. Ocean. It was so good. Stay on the path, Ziegler. That was fantastic. So, yeah. Um, we'll have to do like a spinoff, like a movie spinoff. But I think... You know, this, I guess you say the jury's still out whether the movie theater is going to survive, especially with HBO Max. I mean, what happens when we're back? Things are back to kind of normal and we're full capacity at the movie theaters. Uh, does HBO have like a temporary contract where they're allowed to do that? I mean, does that like now feel us, like like um, Quiet Place 2, things like that? Right. That um, they just been put they've been on the shelf for the whole year. They're just holding it. Well, that's the whole thing. Oh, let's talk about the. Uh, I did an independent film, um, and on every set, if it's a if it's a union job, if it's a Screen Actors Guild job, there is a COVID officer on every set. Now, I had a small part in this independent film. I had to meet with a guy in a parking lot. All these people were waiting to get into his van, where he was like, you know, a little table in a van, and then we got our COVID tests. Also, they would test you uh, when you got to set. So you got two different sets. When you rehearsed, two different tests. When you rehearsed, you had to keep your mask on, regardless of that you just tested negative. Masks on when, you, when you're not on film and you're not filming. And when you film, the mask comes off. Um, but it was interesting. I know, uh, like, this is pilot season now. It's 2021. It's pilot season. And... Last pilot season, I went out for like five or six pilots for like, you know, like NBC, ABC. I haven't gone out for one pilot because they are still backed up from last year for the pilots they, that they didn't, the pilots that got picked up and they didn't produce yet. So um, the movie theater by me, Regal Cinemas, is our favorite. I read, now they're still closed where National Amusements Island 16 is still open. Uh Regal Cinemas is still closed, and from what I read, they are going to stay closed until Hollywood catches up. So once you start seeing a lot of new blockbusters come out, hopefully by the summer, the Regal Cinemas will start opening up again. That's what I read. I mean, that could change any day, but um, I just can't wait, man. I can't wait. Uh, Uh, I think we need a... uh... Godzilla versus King Kong guys date night. You know what? We may have to we may have to do these movie date nights and go out and, and talk about the movie. Um, I'm down. Talk about Godzilla versus King Kong. Now, my father was concerned. My dad and my son bonded by watching Godzilla, and my son Andrew has now he has a Godzilla tattoo on his uh, on his shoulder, big uh, you know on the arm. Um, yeah, Godzilla. So my father, when he saw the latest Godzilla, he was upset. I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, he's too big. He's too big. <laughs> Godzilla. Yeah, he's too big. And if you look, now Godzilla is like the size of a freaking skyscraper. Like, he's too big. What, why is he that big? Because now you get bring King Kong in. Now you already had a Godzilla movie. And you already had a King Kong movie. And if you look at the, the two of them together, you're like, that King Kong is half the size of that Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to have Godzilla jump up on a, are they the same height in this movie? Uh, does Godzilla. Yeah, no, Kong's much bigger in this movie. Wasn't there yeah. something that the King Kong had like a huge ass? Really? There is someone was commenting. 
That sounds so stupid out of context. Someone was commenting that the King Kong that had, stupid. had a that sounds stupid in context. <laughs> King oh they Someone was like, Why why did they make this King Kong's ass so huge? And it's I think like we hold on. this from for uh, uh, I'm looking this up. Seven. I'm not crazy. If you watch uh if you watch the pilot to Kevin Can Wait, there's a scene where I'm bending over fixing my go-kart and Kevin comes by and shoots me in the ass with paintballs, which they did I CGI. That. They did with CGI, thank God. But I was bent over working on the wheel and say like 50 feet away, there was a tent where all the production people were. There were like people in there from Sony. They always had a Sony person, a CBS person, and then the Kevin Can Wait producers. But I think it was Rock Rubin who kept popping his head out and go, we need a little less crack. And the, the uh, wardrobe people, they're like, we got it. And they would adjust my crack. No, that's all right. We need to see a little more crack. Can we get a little more crack? And they would pull my underwear down to the point where they, they had sufficient crack. Tasteful. They want a little crack. Tasteful crack. Enough crack to show on CBS at Tuesday at uh, 8 p.m. So, boys, I think we had another fun episode. And uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do these two-parters anymore. If it's a long episode, it's a long episode. Because I, okay. I think the two-parters gets everybody confused. So we're going to keep it at one-parters. And if you made it to the end of this episode, I want to thank you. And don't forget, any questions, comments, or, or concerns, email us at thechrisroachshow at gmail.com. You can see John Ziegler or follow up. John Ziegler is doing where? JohnZieglerComedy.com. Mike Nicolia. Mike Nicolia Comedy, Instagram and TikTok, sir. ChrisRoachLive.com, at RoachComic on Instagram. You guys have been great. Thanks for staying with us, and we'll see you next week. Oh, and always remember, don't be a douche. I feel like I need a sound effect after that. Like, don't be a douche. Don't be a douche. Don't be a douche nozzle.